Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. As a parent, when you see what's going on around the country and indeed around the world, it can be difficult to explain it to your kids and help them to understand the passion, the feelings of the people that are protesting. Here to help us with that is Dr. Colleen Sierra. She's a licensed clinical psychologist in Chicago. Dr. Sierra, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. So for parents like me, especially white parents, we should be having these conversations with our kids about race anyway. But how do we start that conversation now in the midst of all of this tumult, really? Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on to talk about this incredibly important topic. Before I continue, I want to offer a caveat. Um, I am a white parent as well. I am working hard to become an ally for Black, Indigenous, people of color, but I'm so far from being the perfect ally. I'm in the middle of my own lifelong work of exploring my power, privilege, and fragility as a white woman. And so I know that I'm not going to get this right, but I also know I can't be silent. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity to use my voice in this way, but I know I'm going to screw up. So I just have to put that out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I feel the same way. Um, Yeah, so we absolutely need to be talking with our kids um, about race, regardless of the protest. But obviously, the the reason that some of us are talking to our kids now is because of the murder of George Floyd. So can we can we start with kind of in general, what the kinds of things that we should have on our radar, and then move into the protest? Is that all right with you? Yes, let's do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So, right. So we should be having um, we should be talking to our kids about race from the very beginning. And I think when they're young, a really great way that we can do this is by introducing them to storybooks that have main characters and protagonists who look different from them, have different stories, have different backgrounds. And, And then just people with different skin colors is automatically a part of their world from the very beginning where they get to hear how different people are living their lives. So I think that can be a helpful way to start when children are really young. And then the other thing that we should be doing as they're getting older is sharing parts of American history uh, that aren't so pleasant, that we're not proud of, that aren't being taught in schools at all, or if they are, not as fully as they should be. 
things like slavery and the race massacres that have occurred in on American soil in our history. Uh, and so this is a great time for us as white parents. If you don't know those things, this is the time to start teaching yourself, right? I'm in the middle of this as well, really trying to learn about this whole history that I didn't know much of anything about. Uh, and so I'm trying to do better now. Well, I think it's so important what you've been saying and the fact that we absolutely should be starting. I mean, this is something we should have started when they're little. And if you didn't, I mean, there's never a better time than now to start. And if somebody has teens that maybe ha- are seeing all of this and they're and they're hearing from their friends that they want to go to these protests and all of these kinds of things, how can we work with them and get them to understand? Let's move on to the protests a bit and just see if we've started this conversation with our kids, if we've been teaching them or if we haven't, we start there and move on. What's next? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think a helpful place to start with the protest specifically is is talking we we often as a society especially in mainstream media culture have really been focusing on the protesters and what they are doing and for anyone who's rioting or looting the damage they're causing using violence and we focus on that when really we should be focusing on the why with our kids why are people so angry that they're willing to risk their their health because of covid or their life because of police brutality and violence in general why are they willing to do this? And when we start to, to teach empathy and perspective taking, um, you know, kid, teenager, if somebody kneeled on your neck for eight minutes and you did nothing wrong and you were calling out for me, I would want, well, I would want to burn a city down, right? Like teaching that empathy and perspective taking, I think is incredibly helpful in terms of talking specifically about the protests. But you're right, um, we need to do more. It's not one or the other, it's both and. We absolutely should be protesting, especially as white people, to convey allyship and solidarity. But then we also need to be taking action. And so I think a helpful thing, especially for teens, is talking to them of the, about the power of their own voice that when their friends make a racist joke, it doesn't matter what the intent is, it doesn't matter if they're just kidding and they don't really feel that way, that they have a lot of power by being able to say like, dude, I, that's not cool, don't say things like that. And talking to, to children, especially teens, about the things they can do on a daily basis that they just weave into their lives, that stuff is just as powerful, if not more powerful than going to a protest. It is. That's true. And and there are ways to get involved without actually. And, and certainly it's scary for a parent to say, yes, you can go to a protest or, you know, with COVID, of certainly course. right now, that's even more scary. Give us some some tactics, some things that we can do to help our kids feel like they're involved, to use it as a teachable moment, but to help them feel like they're really doing something that can help, that can make a difference, because I think that's what so many kids and parents want to do. Absolutely. So so everything is good here, right? Um, everybody has different ways of, of protesting or using their voice to convey allyship and stand up to police brutality and white power. 
and one of there's so many things. So using social media, kids love social media. Social media is a great place to challenge people to post things that you feel like are helpful. It's a way to amplify black voices. So you can post articles, books, you know, things that have been written by black indigenous people of color to really amplify their voices on social media. So I think that's a really kid friendly way to do that. You can also support black local owned businesses. So whether that looks like cleaning up after a riot or some looting took place, making your purchases from there instead of Amazon or Target or something that might be a little bit more convenient. But again, that small change can really make a huge difference for a black owned business. So things, there are things like, and again, speaking up, as we already talked about, speaking up with your family and friends and, and really challenging people and having uncomfortable conversations that I think before a lot of us felt like it's not worth it. They're not going to change their mind. I'm not going to get engaged. And now we're really being, that narrative is being challenged and we're being encouraged to, to speak up because what we're now hearing, what we've probably been hearing all along, but are now waking up to is this idea that white silence colludes in racism. And so using their voice with friends and family is another powerful way to change the status quo. Do you really think that works? I mean, in this age of political discourse and nobody's having civil conversations and this particular topic is so charged, it's so high passion on both sides that it's impossible to reach that other side and get them to understand why we feel this way, why we feel that that these protests matter, that this makes a difference. Because if we look at history, really, Dr. Sierra, we see that these kinds of protests do affect change. 100%. Our kids have friends that are against this or saying, oh, all lives matter or saying, oh, they're all just looting or saying any of those things that you know deep down are offensive. It, it, I mean, you're a psychologist. Is it really possible to change minds? Because it doesn't seem to me like this is ab- you know, happening very easily right now. I totally hear you. And I, I struggle with some of those very same things myself. So I get it. But one of the things that we always talk about in psychology is that we don't have the power to change anyone. We're not magicians. We can't wave a wand and, and make you different in the way that you desire to be. All that we can do as psychologists is plant seeds. We can, we can question, we can wonder, we can be curious, we can share our own perspective and hope that by doing that, we plant some seeds that maybe grow down the road when that person is willing to do the work. And I, I think about this situation in a similar way. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that what has happened specifically since this new um, presidential administration has taken over is that we get confused about issues of human rights, about human decency, about morality, and we call it politics. And they're conflated. It's an artificial conflation. In order to move the needle on human rights issues, we need policies in place. So it does involve politics at some point. But we can have a conversation as human beings about the right way to treat each other. And that's got nothing to do with politics at the very root of it. So what I think we can do, what I've even been doing uh, with my own family members is when somebody posts something on social media that's obnoxious and factually untrue, 
instead of being like, you should take that down and responding from a really kind of like angry, aggressive, polarizing place, which I think is natural to feel because this stuff is infuriating, instead coming from a place of empathy and understanding of, you know, like if, if your kid was killed, I think you might feel differently. If a bunch of your family members and friends were being killed, I think you might feel differently. Like, can you think about what that would be like and encourage and invite curiosity and openness rather than kind of shutting it down with anger and righteousness, which again is understandable, especially for black indigenous people of color, but which is why it's on us white people to, to pick up the burden of that work um, and to try to have those conversations and plant seeds, not necessarily change people's minds. Does that make sense? It does. And it's really, really good advice. Planting seeds is the way to go. And, and whether you're talking about Black Lives Matter or Pride Month Absolutely. or any of these topics that are for people that don't always understand. And for some of us that have been lucky enough not to be marginalized, it's even more important that we take a stand and help out those and be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Wrap it up for us, Dr. Sierra, with your best advice about helping our kids to understand the protests, why it's so important and why protests like this have been shown in history to affect change for the better and really to help people, but it can be a little scary for parents. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a few things, validating, really, really positively reinforcing and validating the idea of wanting to be a part of the solution. Um, that's a lovely thing that if we see naturally in our kids or if we've instilled that in our kids, really validating the heck out of that, that feels really important. Um, I think helping our kids understand the difference between protesting, rioting, and looting. And again, the inherent, as you mentioned, the historical context behind those things and how they have been effective at creating change in, um, in terms of policy in American history, I think is an incredibly important thing. Because again, it helps people understand what is the purpose, what is the point. It's not just, it's not pointless at least not for some, it's not pointless. But I think no matter what we do, I think sometimes we can get caught up in this idea that, that we have to do it right or we have to do it perfectly. And if we don't know how to do it perfectly, and let's face it, none of us do, that we shouldn't say anything. And I think we really need to throw that out and just put ourselves out there. And the overall message, if you give an overall message of kindness, love, and understanding above all else, Whatever the issue is, like you said, Black Lives Matter, the LGBTQ community, other, other people of color, if the message is one of kindness, love, and understanding and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and having empathy for someone else's experience, you can't go wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and that's not a colorblindness, race doesn't matter thing, not at all. It's saying really understand what somebody's perspective is as a black woman, as an Asian man. Differences do matter. And let's get curious about those differences and be accepting and open-minded about those differences. As long as that's the message, you can't go wrong. Absolutely well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Sierra, for joining us. I think this is such an important topic, and parents, share this show with your friends and family on your social channels because it's so helpful for us to learn from experts that can 
you know, really guide us and help us to help our children because that's what this is all about. Crosby, Stills, and Nash said it, teach your children well. And that's what this is about. And certainly here on Healthy Children, you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Melanie Cole.